We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. I'm not sure about you guys, but it still catches me off guard when I walk down the water aisle at the grocery store and see these new tall boys that look like beer chilling out in the middle of the bottled water section. Of course, it's not actually beer. It's liquid death, a new mountain spring water from the Alps that's available in still, sparkling, and three unique flavors. But why is it called liquid death, you may ask? Well, it's because Liquid Death donates 10% of their profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Even better is that the use of their aluminum Tallboy cans is also helpful as aluminum is infinitely recyclable and actually profitable for recycling facilities. Friends, bottled water has always been boring to me, but there's absolutely nothing boring about Liquid Death. I love the crisp, refreshing pop of the can when I open it, and the water simply tastes better in a can than it does out of a bottle. Add in their three unique flavors, Personally, I love the lime, and the overall experience is infinitely better than any other water product. Plus, it just looks so much cooler holding a tall boy labeled Liquid Death that looks like you're holding a crisp, refreshing beer. So do me a favor and go get Liquid Death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee. Or you can find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash packaday. That's liquiddeath.com slash packaday. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. 
What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Pack-A-Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Thank you so much for joining me today. Today, I know this might be getting a little bit much by now, but I wanted to identify another issue that I don't think has really been talked about all that much that's been a fairly major issue for this Packers team and kind of, I guess, uh, sort of an issue with how they've been built. And I talked about this a little bit with Perry Goldstein on Pax, what she said this week, um, had the opportunity to be a, a special guest over on that show, and it kind of came up organically. And I wanted to spend a little bit more time on it today because I think it's something worth identifying most importantly, because I think it's something that Green Bay is going to have to change moving forward, and it's going to have to do a better job of identifying a specific type of player moving forward. And I've identified a lot of the issues in my, you know, the episode uh, when I, you know, got back uh, from my illness of, you know, the Packers suck, here's why. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that one, uh, definitely do so. But uh, one of the issues I didn't state in that episode and I think is worth talking about is the fact that this Packers team specifically lacks playmaking or maybe put in a better way this the Packers best players even though they're really really good um, aren't necessarily playmakers and I think one of the reasons why this this season maybe hasn't always gone according to plan or at least met expectations is simply because of that you go back and you look at this roster on paper, to start the year. And you look at it and you're like, yeah, I, li- I kind of like all these players. Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos look like they were going to be a nice tandem at safety. Razul Douglas, Eric Stokes, Jair Alexander, Devondre Campbell, Quay Walker, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, Clark, Jerron Reed, TJ Slayton, Devontae Wyatt, Dean Lowry, an offensive line that eventually would be Bakhtiari and Jenkins and Myers and, um, you know, John Runyon Jr., Yash Nyman, wide receivers that included some, you know, young up-and-coming players like Watson and Dobbs, Alan Lazard, Robert Tunyon coming back at tight end, Jones and Dylan tag-teaming at running back, Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. You know, you look at everything as a whole and you're like, man, I kind of like this roster. I kind of like, they don't really have any definitive weak point. Now, I've talked about in, in pretty great detail why some of those things have fallen apart. Some injuries have played a part, certainly. Rashawn Gary's injury, uh, the fact that Bakhtiari and Jenkins took a little bit of time to get back, and Jenkins hasn't totally been himself. Bakhtiari's been in and out of the lineup. There's been a lot of different things at play here. But I think if you look at it, kind of almost position by position, or just as the, the team as a whole, you really struggle to see where your big explosive plays are coming out of or where they're coming from. Whether that's deep plays down the field, whether that's explosive runs, whether that is interceptions, sacks, turnovers, kick return, punt return, whatever it may be, in order to win in in today's NFL, you've got to make big plays. And this is not a team that is set up to make big plays. And clearly the elephant in the room here, the the, the big missing piece has really been Devontae Adams. And to a lesser extent, MVS and his ability to get deep as well. But clearly the the, the much bigger one is Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is the definition of a playmaker. I mean, he can score at any given moment. He can come up with huge plays, even if they're not touchdowns, first downs at a moment's notice. Like he is constantly open and constantly has the ability to make plays. His run after the catch uh, was underrated. He's just a bona fide playmaker, a, a, like one of the best threats in the red zone that you could possibly have. And losing that level of playmaker 
and not really bringing any playmaker in on any level of the team, offense, defense, or special teams, has quite clearly been one of the bigger issues this season. And some of the stats, when you look at it, not like awful, awful. I'm not going to give you any stat where they're like 32nd in the league or anything, but simply put, just not good enough. The Packers have only four plays over 40 yards all season in 2022. That's tied for 19th in the league. The Saints are number one with 10. Uh, The Packers have generated only eight interceptions on the season and three fumble recoveries. So basically 11 turnovers in 11 weeks. One per game isn't good enough. The Packers have 22 sacks, which is 17th in the league. And again, you look at it and like any, none of those numbers are necessarily like, you know, glaring like 32nd in the league or anything like that, but it's just not good enough. If you want to be a high-end competitive team in this league, you've got to get plays from somewhere, right? And they're not generating them in the rushing game. They're not generating them in the passing game with consistency. They're not generating turnovers via interception. They're not generating turnovers via, you know, forced fumbles. They're not generating sacks at a high enough clip. You have to do one of them well. You've got, like I said, you've got to generate explosive plays somehow. They're certainly not generating them on special teams. We know that. And I think when I go back to the point of their best players aren't playmakers, here's kind of what I mean by that. And this isn't to say that they are bad players or that they're not all pro caliber players or anything like that, because some of these guys are extremely, extremely good football players. You know that. But guys like Jair Alexander and and, um, uh, Kenny Clark are just phenomenal examples of this. Even to a lesser extent, Rashawn Gary, who is, in my opinion, very clearly on his path to becoming a playmaker this season or was a playmaker this season prior to his injury. But I just want to give you some comps here. Jair Alexander, you might say like, Andy, Jair Alexander clearly is a playmaker. I would argue he's a, when he's playing his his A game, he's a fantastic football player. And he's at times, you know, pretty close to a shutdown corner again, when he's playing his A game, which hasn't been unfortunately this season, but in, you know, when he's his best, he's one of the best cover corners in the league. But you look at his overall like playmaking stats in his career, in his career, He has eight interceptions, two forced fumbles, three fumble recoveries, zero touchdowns, one and a half sacks. All right. Just for comparison's sake, Charles Woodson in 2009 alone had nine interceptions, three touchdowns, four forced fumbles, and two sacks. He had more interceptions in 2019, more touchdowns in 2019, more forced fumbles in 2019, and more sacks in, or excuse me, in 2009. And all of the, in, in 2009, all those stats, nine interceptions, three touchdowns, four forced fumbles, two sacks that were better, all of those statistics individually, better than anything that Jair Alexander has done in his career so far. Now, to be fair, Charles Woodson, Hall of Famer, all-time great, and comparing anyone to Charles Woodson is, is tough, Right. But that was the type of playmaker that Charles Woodson was in a season. Jair Alexander's career stats don't match the one good season, uh, the, like Charles Woodson's 2009 season. Tremont Williams in 2010 uh, during their Super Bowl run, nine interceptions, five fumble recoveries, one sack, and a touchdown in the uh, in the playoff game, of course, uh, against Matt Ryan in the Atlanta Falcons. Like that was one season, 2010, nine interceptions. Again, Jair, eight in his career so far. Nick Collins, 2008, seven interceptions, three touchdowns and a forced fumble just in 2008. So those are the definition of playmaking seasons. Again, 
It's not to diminish Jair Alexander as a fantastic football player when he's playing his A game, because he clearly is. And we can also argue, all right, well, let's let's talk about defined roles, right? Because Charles Woodson was put in a playmaking role. Tremont Williams, not necessarily, but teams threw at those players. A lot of times, Jair Alexander doesn't necessarily get the ball thrown his way a ton, which can limit some of the opportunity for playmaking. But at some point, if you're a playmaker, you find ways to make plays. So I get it hasn't necessarily been his 1A job description, uh, but if you want to just compare his career numbers to that of some of the other playmakers in you know recent years with the Packers, Jair Alexander doesn't come close. Not to say he's not a fantastic football you know player. How about Rashawn Gary? All right, in his career so far, 22 and a half sacks, no interceptions, no touchdowns, three forced fumbles. Not bad numbers. And like I said, he was very much on track this year uh, with the way he was playing to being a, a pretty legitimate playmaker. But let's look at Clay Matthews in 2010. 13 and a half sacks, only nine less than Gary has in his career so far. One interception, one more than Gary has in his career. One touchdown, one more than Gary has in his career. And two forced fumbles, one less than Gary has in his career. So again, you talk about a playmaker, Clay Matthews in 2010, the definition of a playmaker, Rashawn Gary hasn't necessarily come close to that level of production in his career um, really so far. Obviously the, the 22 and a half sacks, really, really good. And you might make the argument too, Andy, like sacks are great, but like pressures are good. Like pressures are really good too. Like, and yeah, Rashawn Gary, some of these guys get good pressure, but you have to take advantage of that pressure on the back end. If it just ultimately results in a, an incomplete pass and they're not turning into interceptions or, um, you know, forced fumbles, whatever, like that, that doesn't matter as much. Like it's great, but like you, you got to make plays. That's sort of the crux of this entire episode is, yeah, some of the things that all of these players do from Kenny Clark to Rashawn Gary to Jair Alexander is really good, but somebody on the team at some point has to make plays and this Green Bay team hasn't done it and their best players haven't shown a propensity to do it on a regular level. Kenny Clark, he's struggled through the last four games. There's no question about it, but clearly a fantastic football player. But the most sacks he's ever had in a season is six. He has four career forced fumbles. He is now in his seventh season. Cullen Jenkins, not exactly an all-pro caliber player, right? He had seven sacks in 2010, one more than Kenny Clark has had in his best season from a sack standpoint. Cullen Jenkins in his seven seasons in Green Bay, same as Kenny Clark at this point, had five forced fumbles, one more than Kenny Clark has in his career. So again, no question, apples to apples, if you could choose right now, who would you rather have on your team, Kenny Clark or Cullen Jenkins? It is by far and away Kenny Clark. He is the better football player and he makes a far bigger impact for what he's asked to do. But it just goes to show you 2010 Cullen Jenkins, who is like the fifth or sixth you know, best defender on that team, at, at probably at best, um, is creating a similar level, similar level of playmaking as Kenny Clark has in his best seasons in Green Bay. And then you can just kind of go down the roster. We don't even necessarily need to compare players at other positions, but like AJ Dillon is a phenomenal example. Like at times looks like a, an okay football player. I think this has been an extremely disappointing season for AJ Dillon. And I think we're starting to see that his brand of football, it's just, it's really tough to win with because you're not gaining explosive plays you know, defenders are just too good. Like you can be big and, and, you know, muscular and bulky 
and th th those are that's fine. But if you don't have any sort of breakaway speed or a move that can get you free in the open field, a lot of times you're just going to end up getting the yards that are blocked for you. And that's a lot what we've seen out of A.J. Dillon. But to sort of emphasize the playmaking aspect of this, A.J. Dillon has 30 or 366 career rushing attempts. His longest rush in those 366 rushing attempts, 36 yards. That's not good enough. You have to put the ball in the hands of players that can go out and make plays. A.J. Dillon is the antithesis of a playmaker. Can he be good at certain aspects of the game? Can he be a good football player? Sure, but he's definitely not a playmaker. And you might talk about like, well, you know, not every position is a playmaker position, right? So let's talk about David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins for a second, because I would argue that when, especially even like in 2020, let's go, let's rewind to 2020 prior to injuries. David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, Corey Lindsley from left to, from left tackle, left guard to center, right? That, that side of the offensive line. Well, none of those, you know, it, it's tough to be a playmaker as an offensive lineman. Those three players together was basically like having a playmaker along the offensive line. They were what I would consider, and, and what I've talked about before, and Mike Wallace talked about before, as a force multiplier. They are making all of the playmakers around them better because that entire left side of the offensive line is dominant. You can run behind it at any given moment. You can get Aaron Jones explosive plays by running behind it. Uh, you are allowing Aaron Jones, or excuse me, Aaron Rodgers, more time to throw the ball. You're allowing guys like Devonte Adams more time to get open downfield. They were a force multiplier that made all of the players on the field better, which made it more likely to get explosive plays. David Bakhtiari playing much better now and is still a, a, what I would argue to be a, you know, sort of a force multiplier on the left side of the offensive line, but there's not enough to go along with it. Elton Jenkins hasn't been good enough and the rest of the offensive line has been completely inconsistent. So they don't necessarily have that either. And it's really tough to just look at, like, even with that David Bakhtiari playing really well right now, it's tough to look at David Bakhtiari, even, even though he's playing well, and say, like, he's a playmaker. And it's just, again, it, it's tough to do as an offensive line. I'm not arguing that. But it, it just is kind of going to show you, like, the, the amount of money that they are putting into players on this team, whether it's, you know, Aaron Rodgers, which we'll get to in a second, you know, David Bakhtiari, second round pick into AJ Dillon. They're, you know, arguably their their number one wide receiver in Alan Lazard. You know, we'll, and we'll get into all these players in just a second, but these just aren't guys that are necessarily playmakers. Clark and Alexander, we talked about, and that becomes a problem. And then you just go through, again, the, the, the rest of the lineup. Adrian Amos, right? He's having a down year. He's having a rough year, no question about it. But even in, in Adrian Amos's prime, the, the, the number one knock on him is like he was consistent, he was steady, right place, right time, made all the right tackles, was it was everywhere he needed to be, never made plays. And I know he there's always exceptions to the rule, his big interception against the Bears in the end zone and some things like that have been a big play here or there. But Adrian Amos is basically like the, his biggest knock in his entire career and that he's not a playmaker. Beer? In the water section? You've piqued my interest, liquid death. Okay, so it's not actually beer, it's mountain spring water from the Alps, but it sure as heck looks like a beer when you first see it. And it should pique your interest too, because Liquid Death is the incredible new product that looks like a can of beer, but is actually water that comes in sparkling still and three delicious flavors. We've been downing can after can of Liquid Death at my house, and everyone's always interested. 
What are you drinking? What is that? Did Xaver just drink a beer? It's been downright fantastic. And best of all, the water is actually incredible. Listen, I am not a water guy, and sparkling water never really did it for me, but even I can't get enough of the lime liquid death, which we have been going through like crazy. So it's fun, it's delicious, and it's actually better for the environment because you aren't adding more plastic bottles to your local landfills. I love the tall boys of Liquid Death, and I know you're going to as well. If you haven't checked them out yet, you should probably fix that right now and get to a store immediately. You can find Liquid Death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or Hy-Vee, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash packaday. That's liquiddeath.com slash packaday. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Alan Lazard at wide receiver, like he is doing his best with his skill set to generate, you know, some plays downfield throughout the course of his career. But he's a possession guy. Again, he's sort of the antithesis of what you would kind of consider as a playmaker at the wide receiver position. Robert Tunyon, now kudos to the guy coming back from a torn ACL, but he has no juice left. He can't make anyone miss in the open field. You know, he can get down the seam every once in a great while, but Rodgers usually has to throw him open in those situations. He's not a playmaker. Mercedes Lewis can't run. He's a blocky. He's like literally a blocker. Like one of the guys that's on the field quite a bit throughout the course of the game, like literally is basically an extra offensive lineman at this point. And you're using him at one of your five skill positions. Definitely not a playmaker. Randall Cobb, certainly not the playmaker that he once was. Sammy Watkins, completely washed. 
Dean Lowry, not a playmaker. Jerron Reed, not a playmaker. Devontre Campbell, first team All-Pro last season. Deservedly so. Really good football player last year. And it's tough to comment on this season because of the injury. Certainly wasn't played in an All-Pro level prior to his injury this season. But in his first team All-Pro season last year, really great season. I'm not taking that away from him. Two sacks, two interceptions, two forced fumbles. Like that inside linebacker, I'm going to give that to you. Like that, that's a, that's a, he had a fantastic season. And again, I'm not taking that away from him. I'm not trying to argue that these are bad football players, but that's like, if that, that's him as a first team all pro and it's still generating basically like six big plays in a 17 game season. Eric Stokes has not been a playmaker. Darnell Savage is a playmaker for the other team. Unfortunately, he is not a playmaker for the Green Bay Packers. Preston Smith, nice player. Five sacks in 11 games this season. Not on pace for 10 sacks. He has zero force fumbles. Um, again, no interceptions. So you, you're just not having your, your, your... So many players on this team play at a level where they're actually able to consistently make plays. Now, there's some players I've left out because there are some playmakers on this team. I would argue that Razul Douglas, since getting to Green Bay, has been a playmaker. He's played in 15 games for the Packers so far. He has seven interceptions, two touchdowns, a forced fumble, and a sack. That's that's good. Like that, I would argue that that's uh, uh, through his 15 games. It's not even a full season that he's had in Green Bay to play so far. That that's good. And like that's that's a playmaker. Christian Watson, basically since coming back from his injury the last two weeks, has shown he has a ridiculous ability to go out and make plays. That's a, a positive. Aaron Jones, clearly a playmaker. He needs some help uh, up front to, to be able to be a little bit more explosive. He's not what I would consider like your super explosive, you know, runner where he's running like a 4-3-40 and has the ability to take it, you know, 70 yards at any given moment, but clearly a playmaker with the ball in his hands and Green Bay, like the biggest issue is that Green Bay just doesn't get in his hands enough, unfortunately. Romeo Dobbs has shown some ability to be a playmaker, it hasn't been enough yet, and I would I would not put him in the, the, the playmaker category. If you look at his yards per reception, it's extremely low, and he's had some opportunities at big plays that he's let literally slip through his hands, but I think he has the ability to be that, but he is not there yet as a playmaker, but that, that ability is there. And then that gets you to Aaron Rodgers, who is sort of like the, I don't even know, I, I want to call it the, you know, I don't even know what I want to call it, but like he's, he's the ultimate force multiplier. Let's put it that way. He's what can lift everything up around him, where even if you're missing some playmakers on the outside or your defense isn't up to par, your special teams is making a mistake, he's the MVP that can just sort of, you know, snap his finger and you, you get a ticket to the playoffs, right? That's the type of player he has been through the majority of his career but he hasn't been that this year. And I've, I've went through and, and detailed in previous episodes of some of the superpowers that Aaron Rodgers has lost, generating uh, false starts up front, his hard count, not the same, his ability to run, not the same, his accuracy, I'm sure a broken thumb causing a major, you know, uh, you know, causing issues with that, but his accuracy, not the same, his arm strength, not quite the same. Like he's just not the ultimate force multiplier that he once was and has the ability to just lift everything around him. And it's not to say that he doesn't help other players around him make big plays because there's been some of that, uh, but it hasn't been consistent enough and it hasn't been consistent enough to really make up for the lack of playmaking throughout the entirety of the rest of this team. So 
On paper, going into this season, this team looked pretty solid at almost every position. There's been issues from injuries to just players not even coming close to living up to the, the level of expectation that was needed out of them, to poor coaching, poor scheme, uh, putting players not in the best position to succeed. There is all of that. We have covered that in detail so far. But there's also the issue that in order to win in today's NFL, you have to have big plays. You've got to generate turnovers. You've got to generate negative plays via sacks or big tackles for loss, things like that. And in order to do those things, get explosive plays in the passing game, get explosive plays in the running game, in order to do that, you have to have playmakers. And Green Bay has some nice potential in Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs and Aaron Rodgers shows some flashes of that magic from time to time. Aaron Jones, definitely a playmaker, but it's not enough. And that is going to be one of the huge opportunities that Brian Gutekunst has in this offseason. And it, it, it's going to have to be to find more playmakers for this team. It doesn't have to be the guy that has a you know 9.9 Raz score, is the most gifted athletic player in the world. Devontae Adams, not that. Like he he was not that high, you know, insane athletic player. Like you just have to find guys. Micah Hyde was a, a great example of a playmaker for the Packers. Punt returner, uh, you know, safety who would have some ball hawking skills, obviously went on to uh, a phenomenal career with the Buffalo Bills. Um, he was not a great athlete. Like that, that's a great example of a, a type of playmaker that you can find. T you know, Ted Thompson for his faults later in his career did a really great job of, you know, putting that 2010 team together and really throughout Rogers career, whether it was Jordy Nelson, Greg Jennings, Jermichael Finley, when he was playing well, um, you know, Devonte Adams trying to surround Rogers with playmakers on offense and getting guys like Clay Matthews and, Clay, you know, um, Nick Collins, Sam Shields, Tremont Williams, Charles Woodson, Julius Peppers, like just trying to find guys that would be playmakers for this defense. This has got to be a massive um, priority for this team this offseason to find new playmakers on offense, defense, and specifically special teams so you can actually have a returner that's some level of threat, uh, which they haven't had in years, um, in order to be able to be just a better football team. Because if you don't have playmakers, right, your margin of error is so thin. Your defense is forced to like basically just hold and, and force punts. Your special teams is not getting explosive plays on your punt returns or your kick returns. You're having errors on special teams, which is you know a bigger issue. And then on offense, because you're not getting those explosive plays down the field, it's and because your defense isn't getting turnovers, you're now forced to go 80 yards every single time. And if you can't, if you can't get those explosive plays, you're punting away to other teams who do have playmakers ever as returners, who do have playmakers on offense, who can hit on those explosive plays. So they're able to get there with less, you know, not having to put together 15 play 80 yard drives and can get there with explosive plays. Whereas you are forced to play a near perfect game without mistakes where you're having to go 15 plays 80 yards in order to actually get touchdown drives and still, you know, find a way to be successful in the red zone where you, you know, still the not having playmakers becomes an issue even more so down in the red zone. So a very specific problem, a very specific need, and something Brian Gutekinds is going to have to address in a very specific way this offseason. That's going to do it for me. Thanks so much for joining me. Always appreciate you. I'll be right back here tomorrow as we start to break down Packers-Eagles. But until next time, and as always, Go Pack Go!